is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. And we're back for another London is Blue episode. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a good uh, it's been a good week. I think the last couple of game weeks have been uh, been pretty good. Nine nil versus Leicester, and now a re- nice resounding win against Reading five nil. But you know what? Um, to break it all down. We're here to talk about it. Um, as usual, I've got Jesse with me uh, to talk about it. Nick's Nick's taking another day off. You know, it's fine. He's handing the reins over slowly but surely. You can, I think, you can tell by this point. He's he just wants to go and do other things now, like play golf, which is good on him. He deserves it after eight seasons of, of of hosting a show. So it's fair enough. Nick, you can go play some golf. Um, but we have another guest here today. Uh, Jesse, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, a guest who I actually met a very long time ago on the the football pitches of North London. Um, But yeah, we are joined today by Flo Pollock, who is a commentator and reporter for the BBC. Um, And she is also an Arsenal fan. I'm going to get that out here so she doesn't have to say that herself. But Flo, thank you for joining us. Great. Yeah, so great to be on the, the podcast. Also, the way you say we met on the fields of North London. You make it sound like a, a dangerous place, Jesse, when it really, really was. <laughs> I don't know. Those concrete pitches, yeah. they're miserable. <laughs> they're very miserable. Sounds like an old war story going on here, I guess. I guess that's a, I think that's a topic for an episode just altogether <laughs> alone. Um, but you're not here to listen to that. You're here to listen to the football. Um, so we're going to cover a couple of things goals i mean i think that's just been the theme of two weeks just goals coming from everywhere everyone's scoring everyone's having a great time have we finally found a combination that works all these questions and more to be answered um we're also going to talk about how the midfield is kind of kind of clicked it's it's working out i think i think a couple of small changes here and there are really making the whole team tick and i think that's been Huge factors about speeding up play. And then we'll kind of just end it up with, you know, what does the rest of the season hold? Where are we at? A few games left. Um, we're heading into an international break. But what are we, where, where's everybody's head at? You know, is this the, is this, you know, lose momentum when we come back? Is it going to hold? Let's see what happens. But first, we're going to have to go with a three word match review. Um, Jesse, I'm going to let you go first, mainly because I don't have one yet. So I'm going to let you two go first while I think of mine, and then we're going to take it from there. That's the advantage of hosting, I guess. Um, yeah, I went with Bethany Bucking England because I thought it sounded better than Bethany fucking England. Um, but yeah, what a night for her. It just makes me so happy to see her playing so well. I've said this before, but it makes me excited because obviously I'm an England fan and I don't like Ellen White that much. So just just good vibes all around. And, you know, she's such a passionate player. It makes me so happy whenever she scores, you know, grabbing the badge and stuff like that. So, yeah, nice to hear, get her confidence back. Flo? First of all, it's great to hear you swear because I love swearing and working for the BBC, I'm never allowed to swear. So it's so nice <laughs> that I'm able to swear on this podcast. So really, really great Please. to hear that, Jesse. Um <laughs> I've gone for a similar thing. I, I've used four words, sorry, but classic English number nine. And yeah, just just thinking about Bethany England and how she's that. I just I'm also a big fan of Bethany England and how she's just a kind of classic number nine that you don't see so much in, anymore in the game. Um, so yeah, I've gone with that. That's good. I mean, I think we're going to continue on the theme. Beth is baller. I wanted to say Beth is a baller, but I can't say a baller. So I'm just going to go with Beth is baller because she's both a baller and she's a baller in real life. She plays football. I mean, just the resurgence has been real. 
absolutely love it. And, um, you know, this is just good news for Chelsea all around just because another striker's in form and one that's actually scoring, also scoring a lot of goals. So I'm happy with it. But let's get into the details. Obviously, we played Reading at Kings Meadow in the WSL on Sunday, the 3rd of April. The score was Chelsea 5, Reading 0, gold from Jesse Fleming, a brace from England and a brace from Sam Kerr. And, you know, it was, it was a good day all around. Jess, you want to run through that team news very, very quickly. Yes, yeah, so we had Zachira Musevic in goal, a back three of Millie Bright, Anik Naon and Magda Eriksson. Is this the first time? I feel like it's not the first time we've seen it. Maybe it's the first time we've seen it for a full 90. I um, think we I had have, some yeah. thoughts about it. Didn't love it. Uh, Jess Carter at right wing back, Guru Wrighton at left wing back. Sophie Ingall and Erin Cuthbert as kind of a double pivot with Jesse Fleming sat a little bit in front of them, although Cuthbert did her usual thing of like literally appearing to play in every single position. And then a front two of Beth England, Sam Kerr. And we had off the subs bench, basically the, the standard cast of characters who come off the subs bench in every game. Uh, Maron, Neve, Drew Spence, John Anson and Alcio Abdelina. So no Peniel Harder still, no Frank Kirby still. GC Young's got COVID. So bench was looking a little bit thin, but didn't really matter. To be fair, I mean... Marin, Neve, Drew, Drew's been on fire as the new number 10 replacing no, GI. Bench, you know don't what? get me wrong. It's just every week I say the same five names because every week they come off the bench after seven. True, minutes. but at least this time we're not talking about Drew Spence's John Obi Mikel type of I'm going to block <laughs> the game. It's more Eden Hazard vibes with back heel assists and whatnot. So she basically got another assist because. <laughs> She assisted the Beth England penalty. Yeah, yeah. I so I mean, so. Drew Spence is becoming the new Eden Hazard. So I'm, I'm not <laughs> mad at that. I am not mad at that. Um, I'll quickly run through the stats. So Chelsea had 23 shots against Reading's two shots. Um, you know, with eight shots on target versus one. So I guess Reading had a 50% shot on target rate, which is, you know, uh, uh, fantastic. Um, 76% possession versus 24. 585 passes versus 193, 78% pass accuracy, four fouls versus 11, no cards in this game, a couple of offsides each, four corners for Chelsea and one for Reading. And kind of the expected goals, the XG was kind of, yeah, in favor of kind of what Chelsea did and kind of indicative of how they played and the chance they created. So 2.88 versus Reading's 0.06, which is, you know, 0.06 from kind of two shots is... All right, they had half a chance from somewhere or a quarter chance. Um, but listen, we've got some stats here. I mean, listen, with two home games remaining, Chelsea currently have only have only conceded one home goal all season. This is the joint best record in Europe along with Lyon. And it's kind of better than Bayern, Wolfsburg and even Barcelona. So, I mean, that's a pretty mean defense considering how much it changed over the uh, over the season for all, all things considered. And uh, Chelsea become the first side in the WSL history to keep seven clean sheets in a row in successive home matches. So, Jesse, some uh, quite a few uh, records being broken here this week. Yeah, I mean, these records always make me laugh because you're like, OK, I've, yeah, I've always wanted to know who has the most clean sheets in successive home <laughs> matches. I mean, I did put them in the script, but <laughs> I was like, I don't really know what they mean. The home, the conceding only one home goal all season which is the Dan Carter one against Brighton so obviously the game we still won like that is pretty impressive although I will say if anyone watched the goal Barcelona conceded at home this weekend if you've not seen it it was outrageous and that wasn't Barcelona's defense nobody is stopping that goal but yeah no it's good to see obviously 
Yeah, of course. And Barcelona have are kind of used to getting worldly scored against them. Just Zornosa in the in the Clasico was a little yeah, bit. Yeah, my theory is that teams have given up on trying to play through Barcelona, so they're just like we may as well hit it from like Pot outside shots. the area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> then some of them inevitably the go in. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens in this one week they're just going in. You know, everyone's just getting their chances now. But you know, it is what it is. Um, but you know what, let's, before we get into the main topic, let's quickly head into an ad break and kind of thank the sponsors for uh, sponsoring the show. And we're back. Um, so just kind of a couple of reminders, we're covering the team every week. And, uh, you know, let's see how the rest of the season goes. Maybe we have some announcements, maybe we don't. Who knows? Things kind of come out of the blue, uh, but we'll see. Um, rate and review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, kind of wherever you're at. Give us a shout out, you know. We're coming towards the end of our first season, Jesse and I, and uh, it's been quite enjoyable. And, uh, you know, last five games of the season, let's see if we can win the title just between, you know, just us here kind of doing our thing in the first <laughs> season. Um, and then join us on Patreon. I mean, we have a great community. Jesse's doing some wonderful work over there. Uh, and uh, you know what? If you want to know what it is, you got to go there and find out. So, you know, what? You just we can't give away everything, you know, on this podcast. So, uh, but having said that, let's go into the first kind of major talking point here goals goals kind of all over the pitch um but also from one area at the same time which is kind of the most important area that we need to talk about um you know we had six different goal scorers in the Leicester game we've had three different ones today and it's kind of been great seeing the forward line I, I want to say in a long time in, in successive games they've been clicking they've just been gelling well and I, you know, I, I'm struggling to think whether this is down to just form or is this down to the fact that this combination of the front line just works better than what we've had across the season. I think that's a question that we can ask. Um, but, you know, we've been getting a lot of lot of joy in particular from 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 the wings and the clip crosses from Wright and Cuthbert. They're really holding it up well, getting into good crossing positions. And I think that is helping. And But maybe that is helping the kind of you know players we've got up front and kind of what Flo was saying in her three-word match review was you know Bethany England being that classic English number nine and you think that is really helping with the crosses because Beth England is so good in the air and so good at finding that space that it, it just works and, and Flo I'm just going to quickly take this to you what do you kind of think of how the the front line's working where are we at and and kind of how the, the whole build-up is affecting who's in front yeah I think it's interesting because I agree you do look like a Currently, the, the forward line is kind of gelling. I've always kind of thought Kirby, Kerr and Harder, they don't really work together. They're three incredible players. I don't know what you guys think as Chelsea fans, but like, and, and also, sorry, it's, it's kind of classic Chelsea just to be like, we'll just buy the best players and not really think whether they'll fit in our side. Oh, <laughs> she's gone straight in. Oh, she's come. been on the podcast for 10 minutes. <laughs> straight in. Come on, it's classic. It's classic. And like, don't get me wrong, it works, but it works because they're the best players. And, uh, I don't think it's an uncommon view to think that those yeah. three don't fit together yeah. in the Chelsea we'll world. Yeah, we'll put that, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I guess, Cuthbert and Wrighton, like you said, are such good wingers, particularly Wrighton, who I'm, I'm a big fan of, and her kind of playing as a wing-back role. It kind of, yeah, it works with Bethany England up top because she is that classic number nine that's going to head it in. So, yeah, I, th- I think Chelsea have looked really great, really good the past couple of games. Um, and, yeah, how do you fit all those players in? And, and Kirby being away, where is Kirby, by the way? She's she's ill. Somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I think I assume it's some kind of personal stuff. Like I think she needs some time. Is basically what Emma has. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, 
but yeah, so it's interesting to see other players get, getting a chance. And yeah, as I said, Bethany England, I'm a big fan. And it's such a shame seeing her sit on the bench. So it's been really great to watch her the past couple of games kind of getting back into form. And yeah, hopefully England this summer. Not sure, but... Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, It's funny, isn't it? Like, obviously, because, you know, when Sam Kerr arrived, there was no Fran Kirby because she was unwell. There was no Penelope Hardy because we hadn't signed her. And it was all about, like... Because Emma Hayes has always been quite keen on a 4-4-2 like, and likes the diamond midfield and that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can see why she signed Sam Kerr because Beth England, as much as, like, in some ways she is a classic number nine, she's, like, she's not like Ellen White who only can stand in the six-yard box. She's like Harry Kane. Like, that's, yeah. like, more her vibe. Like, she has that ability to drop back and, and play the ball and make them make those runs into the box. Um so it made sense kind of to see them as a duo. But it's then when you add those more creative players around them, there's just almost like there's not enough positions on the pitch ultimately for all of those players to do what they need to do. And I do think it is a bit of a problem that um, I think what you're seeing is Hayes and Chelsea are very good at certain attacking moves, which is this like win the ball quite high the pitch, play it out wide very quickly and chip the ball into the box very quickly as well and then let your attackers do the work there but I don't I've never felt that we're as good as incorporating those kind of creative players you know even like someone like Jisoo Young who I think has been amazing for Chelsea I never felt like we really like regularly unlock her level of creativity in the way you see other teams prioritize that maybe because they've only got one player who does that kind of stuff. But like, you know, if you look at like Barcelona, it's like Alexia Pateas just has freedom of the pitch to do something. It's never felt like Chelsea have enough structure around those players to allow like creative players of the harder Kirby level to do that, which I think is sometimes why you see in games like this, it actually feels like it clicks a lot more when you've just got like a much more basic setup ultimately. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that makes sense. And I think um, kind of playing this, Three five two. It's 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 it kind of goes back to the point that we were saying that the front three of Kerber, Ker, uh, Ker, Kirby and Harder. I think a lot of people have argued it just doesn't work. It's it's worked in games where they can just bully people by sheer quality. But when it really comes down to it, and, and you're and you're and you're coming up against a team that's difficult to break down or uh, a tactically viable team, it's it's we've seen that it just it doesn't work. I mean. Uh, but I also think that that comes down to the fact that we've we've not been able to get the the midfield combination right, and I think slowly but surely in the last few weeks we've been able to see that that it's coming together. But I still think that the way they've been playing in the last couple of weeks, I think last week was more Leicester's defense weren't just they were not up to it. Like they were just conceding goals left, right, and center. You could have you could have played anybody and they would have scored you know three, four, five goals that week. But I think especially against Reading, where we've had you know a difficulty breaking them down in the past. I think the the, the quickness of play, Jesse Fleming being in there, Aaron Casper just going strength to strength, and obviously Saint Sophie Ingle there. Just I think playing quicker and getting it into the wide areas. Is has been the biggest key point, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but then, and then when you get to that point, you just give a lot more time to play into the strength of the forward line. And I think Chelsea have always played better, in my opinion, as a two up front. Whether it's Kerr and Kirby, whether it's England and Kerr, I feel like th- their system works as a two, just because probably they've been playing it. Because I, I think the type of players they've got around them just work better in 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 a in a, in a, in a sort of 
352442 diamond formation. Uh, I think you get the two strikers who are able to kind of play off each other. You got a Kerr who likes to kind of run in the channels. You got England who's I want to be in the box. I want to I want to hold up hold up possession. I can also run the channels, but I really want to be that focal point in the middle. And then whoever you're playing at 10, whether it's Fleming, whether it's G, whether it's even Pernilla Hard or Frank Kirby, they just then become this free play, kind of do whatever they want and kind of interchange and kind of uh, kind of couple with one of the two strikers. And then you, there you've got an overload, plus then you've got your crosses coming in. So I, I think that sort of system works. And so when you've got all three, then they're all three kind of, kind, of, kind of doing, they want to get into the box and want to get the ball rather than be on the ball sometimes. So that's kind of where, where, where I'm feeling it. But yeah, again, great touch from, from Jesse Fleming for that first goal. It's just... Jesse Fleming is getting in on the act the last couple of weeks, getting a lot of goals. And, and, and you know, obviously we, we talked about Drew Spence a little bit earlier. So many players are naturally so good at scoring goals that this team doesn't rely on. I mean, the fact that Kerr has 16 goals and the rest of the attack and the, the team is scoring as many goals that they have, I think is, is a huge bonus for, for, the, for the entire team. And um, so, I mean, the question, I mean, Kerr needs, what, seven more from her last four games to beat Miedema's record? Can she do it, Jesse? I would not put it past her. Um, I feel like, I don't know. It's funny because I feel like Miedema is the kind of player who really doesn't care about this stuff at all. But I bet Sam Kerr really, really cares about it. I reckon she'd fancy it. And, you know, you've got to say, like, okay, so there's a game against Birmingham. Could probably score quite a lot of goals against them. Two against Spurs. They're probably the trickier two. Because United, I feel like they they're a team who really suit our style because they try and play and then they leave loads of space at the back. So, I mean, it'll be a tough one, but I think she could do it. I think more what's just kind of amazing about this season, and I don't know whether it's just because Miedemar's dropped back into this 10 role, so maybe we we don't really see her as like a direct competitor. And then also... Chelsea have had lots of other goal scorers but it kind of feels like Sam Kerr's season is like flying on under the radar in terms of like she's literally beating her numbers from last season still and she's like putting together absolutely ridiculous goal scoring tallies but maybe just the nature of Chelsea's kind of up and down season has meant we've not seen her consistently as a performer whereas obviously last year when you know you had the run to the Champions League final it felt like there was lots of interest building behind Chelsea whereas this season I think even though everyone's still getting excited about the title race it doesn't really feel like there's the same intensity behind it um but yeah like 16 goals in those games and she missed like all of January because she went to the Asian Cup so I think if she'd been here for January she would have probably walked the 22 goal record yeah I, th- I think that's that's there and 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 um kind of speaking of sam kerr there's a huge name in in in, in bold here which says bethany england or beth england rather um Flo, do you i mean listen take it away i you want to wax lyrical about beth please go ahead this is this is the moment and then kind of what do you think um how has she played best in the you know so far and 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 do you think the way she's been played with kerr you know is that the best way or is there a, b- a better way yeah as i said massive fan and i've kind of been a bit disappointed for her because I I feel like about two years ago, three years ago, I was like, okay, she's the natural successor to Ellen White for England, sorted. And it hasn't really happened. And I don't know if that's because other players have come in around her or because she's not really had the game time at Chelsea. Um, But I kind of, you know, felt a bit sorry for her in that case. But so, so seeing her now playing for Chelsea the past couple of weeks and playing really well, yeah, I've really 
really enjoyed it and felt really pleased for her because yeah she also works really hard she's all she's ready to come on she's not one of those players that sits on the bench rotting away getting annoyed and then comes on and just you know gives a half-assed effort she really comes on and, and gives it her all so kind of props to her for, for that and staying fit but yeah I think she as I was saying she's just a classic number nine and I think you just know what you're getting with her you know what her strengths are I think she just as you said as well kind of she doesn't she's not like a just she's not just a fox in the box like Ellen White. She doesn't just kind of hang in the box, poke it in. She comes back, builds up the play. Like in that, I think it was her second goal. She actually won the ball back, played it to Wrighton, got in the box for the volley. So she actually pre-assisted herself. And I just think it's that work rate that I find really impressive about her. So yeah, I'm really pleased to see her doing well. Great. I mean, just Bethany England. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think we've been waiting for this Bethany England for the entire season. And you know, it's it's. She's finally taken that chance that we've been talking about. Like, you know, every time she came on for those 15, 20 minutes, other players were taking that chance. But I almost felt like Beth England wasn't able to do that. And then just kind of the last couple of weeks, she's finally just said, you know what? The Euros is coming up. I need a place on that. On Well, there's no plane because she's literally just, she's there. She probably has to just take a walk or the train. <laughs> on the coach around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, the coach to Rotherham. <laughs> yeah, I need that coach to Rotherham. You'd be on that coach. Um I need to be there and kind of you know what this could be a late surge into that squad again and make Serena Weigman think you know what maybe I've got uh, my second number nine ready to go and 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 still be that successor but I think the question still comes down to does she stay at Chelsea for next season I know she signed a new contract but will she now go and say look I'm scoring goals I still know how to play I still know how to do things am I staying this season am I going to leave because Kirby and Hart are going to come back so Kers signed a new deal Hard has still got another season. Kerr signed it. Oh, sorry. Kirby signed a new deal. Beth Ning has got to be thinking about her future, right? I mean, Jesse, what do you think? Well, so my thing on this all year is that I think it's kind of, well, I think it's kind of rubbish that she doesn't get lots of opportunities at Chelsea because I think she does. I just think the first half of the season, she wasn't very good, unfortunately. And that might have been because she was pissed off that she wasn't getting as many opportunities. She wasn't the starting striker. But, you know, she started, like, our Champions League group games and, you know, games in the league where, like, stuff didn't really work out. And then I'm a bit like, well, you can't really moan if you get dropped because you haven't really performed in the opportunities that have been given to you. Whereas I think if she plays like this right now, you're like, okay, are you going to overhaul Sam Kerr? Mm, Potentially not, but that's because Sam Kerr's performing really well. Is there a point where Sam Kerr's form dips and, and you could? Yeah, sure. I think her problem is... And this is just like a problem with the landscape of women's football in general is I don't really know where where she goes. Like, I would love her to like be a starting striker because I do think she is that good. Like, I think she's more than good enough. But Man City have Ellen White and Bunny Shaw. And I don't really know why there's even a question there over who's the starting striker. But apparently there still is. Um, Not an Ellen White fan, are you, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, Bunny Shaw is immense. Like, I don't mind Ellen White. She's just having an absolutely awful season. And yes, I do still hate her because she scored that goal in the 3-2 Birmingham game. And I will never, I will never get over it. I will never get over it. Um, and then Arsenal, obviously, I mean, yeah. I assume she wouldn't go to Arsenal. No. Who knows? Um, so who else is going to play her? United have Russo, who's like now her number one rival for what is presumably the second number nine slot at England. So... She's kind of stuck unless she goes abroad. I do think she'd be great on like one of those European. Te- I think there's some European teams out there who would like really suit having a number nine like her. But 
I think her best option is to play like she's playing right now and force her way into this Chelsea side because Chelsea plays so many games across a normal season that there's more than enough time to make an impact. And especially like with players like... I think Hayes has shown that she likes to be like flexible. She will drop players if she feels like it suits them better. That's why Beth started that Wolfsburg home game with Kurt because she felt Beth suited that lineup more. And... So I think if she keeps performing like this, there's no reason why she can't hit the top levels of her game at Chelsea still, even if she's not like an obvious number one choice. True. Katoto replacement, PSG, question mark. I mean, that would be fun. But would anyone go to PSG? That club is way too chaotic. (laughs) But it's true. But it's like a question mark. That's the one striker position that could be vacant, you know, come come the summer. So just just ask. I'm just asking a question. Not saying anything else. Anyway, before... uh, before people get at me, let's look at some let's look at some stats. I mean, listen, Bethany England right now in the WSL, second highest goals per 90 behind Sam Kerr at, you know, with 0.96. So that's pretty impressive. That's one ahead of that's ahead of Miedema, uh, Kirby, Russo, Beth Mead. I mean, that's that's a pretty impressive list to be ahead of. And I mean, if we're looking at assists per 90, and if we're talking about an all-round striker here, Bethany England is is making the case for that because she's got the highest assist per 90 with 0.55, again, ahead of Fran Kirby, Katie McCabe, again, Miedema, Fleming, and Steph Catley. I mean, there's some insane numbers here. So it's kind of just showing that Bethany England is, is yes, she's played significantly less minutes than some of the players, but it's still enough to be able to make some sort of comparison to show her effect on, on the league. I mean, if we look at the XG and the XG on target, I mean, 0.87, 0.87 with goals per 98, 0.97, that's a ridiculous return rate right there. You know what I mean? That's That just shows that she's clinical, she's there, she's in the right positions. And, you know, sometimes, like we said, you need that striker to just be in the box and not do anything else. And that is Bethany England for you. Um, but I think, speaking of being in the box and being in the right place, let's move into the midfield. Because that midfield is the ones who are setting up your Bethany England and your Sam Kerr's. And I think, you know... The last couple of weeks, I think the main theme that we've been seeing and the main things that we've been doing, uh, looking at is the team is moving the ball a lot quicker. And I think that has been the biggest problem that Chelsea have had in the last, probably this season, I would say, is when they haven't played well, it's really come down to the fact of the midfield haven't performed because they've either been too slow or they haven't been able, and they haven't been able to rotate the ball quick enough into areas of, of opportunity. And I think because Chelsea's probably their... their strength outside of the front line is their wide areas especially with the wingers with Guru Wrighton playing it in the wide area and then whether you have Neve Charles on the right hand side or whoever else Frank Kirby or whoever right and obviously now Cuthbert's playing kind of like this inverted winger slash center midfielder role kind of you know driving into the right half space and kind of making crosses from there which I think it really works well because it takes advantage of both her uh, her her traits as a winger but also this newfound central midfield role and I think this you know I think the Italians call it the mezzala where you're like a winger slash central midfield and I think that is kind of suited her perfectly because she can kind of do both she can be aggressive like I would give us a moment in in the game yesterday where she tracked back there was two players pressing a reading player she won the tackle and she ran straight back and took a ball up in the right half space so I mean I think that sequence for me was was typical Aaron Cuthbert, but I think that is probably one of the main advantages for me um, in Aaron in Aaron Cuthbert. Flo, what do you think? Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw her playing more centrally because I've always kind of had her pegged as like a 
a wide player. But yeah, it has actually really worked. Um, and I think she does look really, really good. That I do think as well, I think you're right about Chelsea's midfielder not fitting. I think if you were to kind of look for an upgrade this summer and to get like a, a world-class player in, you want to get it in that midfield. Because I think, I actually, when Loy, Melanie Loipoltz, is that you say it, Melanie Loipoltz? My mum's a German teacher and she said yeah. it's Loipoltz. There we go. Um, <laughs> I was really impressed with her when she first came, but she wasn't at the start of this season. Um, I, I think she was a bit guilty of moving the ball quite slowly. And she's now out for quite a while. And then you see you've got Ingle, G, Spence. I feel like that could be an area where you might want to kind of upgrade in the middle um, to kind of go to the next level. But yeah, I think Cuthbert works really well in there as well. But you need more depth, I think, in there, really. Jess, you want to expand on that? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we've, we've definitely, I think we, was, we spoke about this last last week that we kind of see it as an area that we feel like does need an upgrade. Now I've like every Champions League game, I'm like, what midfielder and what fullback do I want? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is a problem. But I, I do really like Cuthbert there. I've, you know, in the past been concerned about the willingness of the club to just shunt Cuthbert to whatever position they need her to play just because, you know, it's kind of crazy because she's been at the club for so long, but she is only 23 and I feel like she could develop into a genuine, like, world-class top five, top ten player, but I don't think that happens if you're made to play in a million positions. So if this is going to happen, I would like to be, this to be it. And I think it suits her. Like, I do think, you know, her. it's a shame to lose her off-ball ability by, say, having her out on the wing. Whereas I like her flexibility in, and I think we saw it in this game, you know, whether she's going back, going forward. Abdullah, I know, like, you tweeted about this saying, what did you say? A shield as part of the double pivot in defensive transitions and attacking midfield and attack. And at first, I kind of felt like Sophie Ingle looked quite isolated in the first kind of 40 minutes of this game. It was just like the ball... so It drives me mad. This is so classic Chelsea. The ball goes into Ingle, it goes out, it goes around the back four, back five, whatever it is, it goes back into Ingle, and no one moves anywhere. Um, but then you got this opportunity for Cuthbert to drop back and she is one of the best carriers of the ball in the league. I think, you know, she is like maybe not quite Lauren Hemp levels, but like she's that like second rung of players. And that's something that none of our midfielders really do at all. You know, Leupold's Ingle, I mean, I guess Drew Spence a bit, but like GC Young, they're all passers of the ball. And I think that allows you then to have the flexibility to say, Okay, if the Reading side are putting a really good press on us, which they did, their press was amazing. I thought we can make that move and we can we can let Erin run with it. But if a team's going to sit off us, then we've suddenly got two tens, basically. Whether it's you know in this case Fleming or someone who's got that ability. So you know Abdullah, I know you've been like gunning for it for a long time, but it looks really good, right? I'm so excited to finally see this come to light. Like my 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 agenda, my my campaigning is finally. Emma has heard me, and she goes, "You know what? We're gonna try this. See what this guy's about. Is he gone mad? She's tried it, and you know what? You know what? She must have read she the chapter. It. No, no, she must have read the chapter I wrote about Aaron Casper in the book. I did write about this in the book a year ago, so she must have read it. And gone, you know what? 
there's 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 something. I to look this. forward to her thanking you in her speech when we were <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm wait. I'm, I'm waiting for that. Just a little <laughs> shout out would be nice. Just a little bit. Um, no, but I think uh, I, I think we need to talk about. Um, Musovic as well and kind of her impact on the on this on the team as soon as she's come in I think she's I love how aggressive she is when she gets the ball she's almost like shouting a place to just quickly move up and she wants to get rid of the ball like she's almost going to murder them if they don't if they don't do it but I kind of like that I, it kind of it helps what we we're talking about moving the ball quicker because as soon as she gets it she's trying to look for the quickest you know distribution out maybe doesn't have the best distribution in the world right now but I like the intent and I like where her head's at in terms of looking for those four passes. I felt like at times AKB could have been a little bit slow. And, you know, I think AKB has a very good long kick into into the into the into the over the top. But I think Musevich throws into the wide areas to the fullbacks who are for higher up, like a girl right or or a Neve Charles who is playing on the right wing back. I think those passes are gonna be key because I think if you've got teams, and I was thinking about this the other day, but for, for you know, for another team, I was like, you know, if you've got a keeper who can quickly grab the ball and kind of almost make a counterattack for you when a team is there because you run out grab the ball and then throw it out immediately you can catch teams off guard and I think Musevich is showing signs of being able to do that and I think that's kind of playing into the whole let's get the midfield into quicker let's get the ball out quicker um and and let's kind of see where things are going. I don't know how how you two saw it um Jesse if, if you saw anything different yeah I mean I think I definitely think it feels like Musevich is better with her feet but that being said I think it's easy to kind of have an evidence bias a bit about that because you know we've just had two great games where we scored loads of goals uh, against kind of low block defences and it's easy to say well you know because she recycles the ball a lot quicker etc etc but you know she also played in that Aston Villa game where I know she then got the assist but it you know AKB could have got that assist. Like, it took us ages to score. So, I still think my... I would like to see her play... Well, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right thing to say. I'm intrigued to see her play against a team who are going to get a lot of shots on goal. So, like, on SW6-ish, on Patreon, I was talking about, you know, whether she'll start that FA Cup semi-final. Because I still think AKB is a world-class shot stopper. And I personally don't think her distribution is so bad as to currently reverse how much better a shot stopper I believe she is in Musevic. But I also don't actually know that because I've not really ever seen Musevic have to do that. You know, in a, in a Chelsea shirt, you know, like I know she is good, but like that's what I'm still kind of missing from figuring out who I think is better. Because as much as I think, yes, yeah, she does look so much calm with the ball at her feet. I think she she's done it in easier situations. Um, and I'm still, you know, I've still got that Wolfsburg 4-0 in my head. I think about I was thinking she, about that. She was bad. Like, it was bad. Like, I, lo- I love her. She I feel awful saying that because she seems like the nicest woman in the world. But a, a lot of that had, had her involved, you know. I, I think that as well, Jesse. That's kind of, when I think of her, that's the, the performance I think. But I, I think that's a bit unfair from, of me, to be fair, because... I think Chelsea were all over the place in that tie. Oh, a hundred percent. She yeah. was put in a really horrible position. And she's I just she's think young. If AKB's like, in gold, then it doesn't happen in the same way. Yeah, I, I think that's maybe a bit a bit of an outlier. But then you're also like, has she had to make a save in the past two games? Reading for one shot on targets. So that's one. Is that one save? <laughs> 
Yeah, like literally, I would have been really intrigued to, you know, Rachel Rowe, when Anique Naun like hit the ball against her and Rachel Rowe basically went through on goal, but she like shot over. I mean, I didn't at the time want her to like get it on target, <laughs> but I would have loved to have seen, like now in hindsight, we scored five goals. We would have loved to have seen if Musevich is going to like make a save from there because I think that would have been a great test. Yeah, it's also, it's just great to have two really quality keepers isn't it do you know what I mean if one gets injured and I think as well you are seeing across football men's and women's a kind of transition away from kind of traditional shot stopper to being better with distribution as, as a team like Chelsea that has the most the majority of the possession and usually you smash teams your goalkeeper is kind of more important for them to actually be good at the distribution because that's what they're going to be doing more of rather than if you're like an Aston Villa or, or a Birmingham, which is why it's great that Aston Villa have Hannah Hampton, because she's a great shot stopper. And that's... She's got sick distribution yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So really they've got it all. <laughs> yeah, she's she's one that I think... Yeah, I mean, sorry, England goalkeeper, that's another topic, but yeah, because <laughs> I think she could be it really, but anyway. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think I think, I think think it'll be interesting to see how uh, the, the Lionesses players from Chelsea play in England because I think with a keeper like Hannah Hampton, who's so good at distributing the ball, I want to see how that affects their play in general. But that's, again, like we said, it's a whole different conversation mm-hmm. and topic. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's been it's it's been great. I mean, Chelsea have um, I mean, they've been putting some, some sequences together, putting some passes together. I mean, they, you know, they're, oh, they're I put this in about direct speeds. Sorry, I dropped this in. Let me I'll grab this. Go for it. I don't know why this is here. I can hear it. So direct speed is a stat opt to use to measure basically how many meters per second the ball moves up the field for teams. Um, and earlier in the season, Chelsea had been like basically at the bottom, e.g. we move it a lot slower than most teams. Um, so at the moment, Manchester City are currently bottom with 0.91 meters oh, wow. per second. Arsenal are second bottom, 1.14. Um, so, you know, these are kind of teams who are like going to wait and build up the play um, slower. And Chelsea, like earlier on, were around that those numbers. But it's interesting we now sit at one point. Two, three, and you know, I think most people think of Emma Hayes as being quite a direct manager. I don't think this is a surprise, but I think it just shows that maybe we're getting a bit more direct as the season goes on um, in terms of turning our possession into trying to move the ball quicker up the pitch. And I think you saw that even in this first half against Reading that there was a lot of times where Reading did have the ball, and there were points that made me nervous. Um, but actually, I think it suits Chelsea a lot more because I just don't think it's that same kind of, you know, creative players, Penina Harder, Frank Kirby, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think it works. We're not a, like a great possession-based team, but we're just in this awkward position where a lot of the time we do have to have a lot of the ball. Um, so I thought it's been interesting to see how that's kind of like changed as the, as the season's gone on. Yeah, and I think that's kind of had a direct correlation into kind of whatever we've just we've just talked about. Uh, and I'm pointing up to say above in the script, but you know what I mean. What we've just talked <laughs> about. Um, but we just let's hear some comments. Well, I'm going to read some comments that Emma Hayes made after the game. Um, we've been superb, especially in the last eight to ten games, at controlling the play a little bit better, not creating as many transition moments for the opponents. We seem to be better in our build up, our decision making, and as a result of that, the opponents are creating less against us. You know, we've we've all done a good job of getting on. 
our lives haven't really been affected internally. Nothing has changed. So I've said many, many times, it's about the club getting on, doing their due diligence, and we just need to get focused on the business of winning and improving. That, for me, is what you see as a manager. It's not just peaking at the right moment. You have to keep finding little wins and improvements. And I feel like our whole squad is on the same page and that takes a lot of work to get to the point. So credit to the whole environment for that. That's what our environment is. Put the team first, put your teammates first. For Sam to do that for Beth is, is a real testament to the class and quality that she has as a human being. But equally, Beth deserves that too. Beth was tireless in what she did for the team. Second half, she was superb and I'm pleased for her. She's back amongst the goal. She's performing well at the time. We need everybody to do that. You know, I value everything that takes place on the training pitch. Her work uh, this half of the season has been outstanding. She had a blip with the injury, but she's kept her head down. Beth's done a great job of playing her part. But this half of the season, she's just improving and contributing on a much bigger level. I'm really proud of her approach, and she's getting the rewards for all her hard work. So, Jesse, kind of what you said about the attitude in the first half of the season and how she just kind of said, forget it. I, I can't stop. I got to stop moaning and just get on with the work. And that's kind of what Emma Hayes is saying, right? This half of the season, she's put her head down, and that's why she's in the team. Yeah, you know, I, I don't always take everything Emma Hayes says as read because you shouldn't, because she's like a master manipulator of the media. But I think some of these quotes are, you know, are really nice. And I think, you know, we've all kind of known that maybe Beth wasn't, you know, in the right space to have that kind of confidence to play. And, you know, it's hard sometimes, I think, as a player, like, understandably, to, like, not have that self-belief. Like, I would be psychologically ruined if I was a professional footballer because I think it's so hard but I don't think we talk about it enough like how crazy it must be like that you're like the big dog and then the next day they sign like the all-time top scorer of the Australian and American the bigger dog and then the bigger dog and and it's a dog eat dog world out there guys um but yeah I think that would be really tricky and I think it's kind of understandable that maybe Beth's taken her time to figure out you know how she fits into the squad now and I feel like you can see you know when she took that penalty and Sam Kerr's on a hat trick that that was like a dog taking a piss on the (laughs) penalty spot (laughs) you know but that's good like I like that I want to see that because you know we've talked about this the Musevich AKB thing if someone had said to you a month ago, AKB wouldn't be Chelsea's first choice goalkeeper at the start of April. No one, no one would have given you money on that. And it's just like in football, you can't, you like you have to bet on yourself because you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I think Emma obviously loves that from her players. And I think that's why she motivates players. And I think her, her quotes kind of show that. And I'm glad it's working out for Beth by her showing that. I think as well, you've kind of picked up on something about why Emma Hayes is really is a really good manager is because she can keep those players motivated. Cause like you said, I think it, it is quite hard when you've got kind of big personalities. I think as a striker as well, being a striker is all about confidence. If you're lacking in confidence, it's really hard. And by, you know, playing Misovich, by playing Beth England, you're kind of showing that it is about how you're doing in training as well. And it's not just about kind of big stars. So I think that is kind of why, Emma Hayes is such a good manager. She really does create a... It's, it sounds like she really creates a, a really kind of competitive but supportive environment. It's the Pep Guardiola effect, right? Yeah. I've always said this. It's like, no one looks at Pep and says, how does Pep keep all these players happy? 
It's because they want to play for Guardiola, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how you fit all these players into the team. And that's what Hayes clearly offered. And of course, you're going to piss people off at some point as well. And not everyone's going to like that environment. But it's not like rocket science to figure out why they want to hang around. Exactly. I think that kind of contrasts with stuff I've heard about Manchester City and how players are kind of not happy there. I think it's kind of, you know, I don't think Gareth Taylor has that kind of aura or uh, reputation. So... Yeah, interesting. I think it's fair to say Gareth Taylor doesn't have the same aura as Emma Hayes. Yeah, Emma Hayes. I've never interviewed Emma Hayes. I do post-match interviews sometimes, but I've always wanted to interview her because I think she'd be... She just she just jokes. She just says funny things. Oh, she terrifies me. Every time I've had to ask her a question, I've like been shaking. Oh, really? I'm so scared. Do you know what? Yeah, I, got, I, I did a post-match interview with Jonas Idabel. He was so intense. Usually when I, you do manager interviews after a game, they just kind of mumble into the microphone. He was like right close to my face, like really like listening to my questions. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> just say a bit and go. <laughs> this is the perils of reporting, guys. Yeah. This is the the insight that you're after. <laughs> yeah, this is this is it. I don't want her to pick, you know, flaws in my book. So please don't, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing. Um, but kind of listen let's just get into into the last thing rest of the season where are we headed how is it going to you know kind of what's it going to come down to international break now obviously let's just pray nobody gets injured because this this form and this flow is you know no pun intended but this Mm -hmm. this flow is is is, is going well everything is flowing and uh, you know long may it continue but um, Flo what have you what have you made of Chelsea so far this season and what do you think about the kind of the last few games that they've got obviously got Birmingham Spurs twice and, and Manchester United yeah quite funny that you're playing Spurs twice in like four or five days it's gonna be crazy very, very strange it's gonna be Fantastic. like a double leg old double legged cup tie yeah very yeah. very strange um I mean I think I think Chelsea I think you'll go on to win it and I think from an Arsenal fan's point of view Arsenal lost it fucking losing to Birmingham like that's when we lost it. We lost it because of that. That game was bleak. Yeah, that, if we if we lose the title, it'll be because of that. But I do think you know, I do think those two Spurs games because I like you, Jesse. I, I think Man United play into your hands, and I don't think Mark Skinner's wants to or is smart enough to 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 play try and play differently against Chelsea. I think he wants to play his brand, so I think he'll beat them. But Spurs, you know, I've seen a lot of Spurs this season, including the one 0 loss to Man City at the Hive. And I tell you what, Spurs, and I actually remember, Jesse, I remember listening to you, I'm not sure it was this podcast, saying that you, you didn't think Rand Skinner was going to be up to much. I've been so impressed. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everyone knows, everyone knows. Everyone knows, I think, Rand. Honestly. My problem with Rahan Skinner is the same now, though. It's like, it's boring football that doesn't create anything. So it's impressive that they do defend well, and that concerns me. He's the Tony but Pulis you open of the women's game, up. definitely. She's the t- there we go. That's what every manager wants on yeah, their CV. Yeah, but honestly, I've been super impressed. And like Man City, they they were lucky to beat them. And like they also they do have something going forward if Simon Kaya Simon and Rachel Williams are okay. But they have kind of fitness issues. I'll tell you what, I'm I was really impressed with um, Rianne Skinner and Spurs. I was watching them. Uh, it was at the Hive, so you're really close in the commentary position. So I was right behind her, and Lauren Hemp went down injured, and. Shalina Zadorsky had the ball at her feet and she was kind of like, oh, should I kick it out for fair play or should I carry on? And Skinner was like, play on, play on. It's not a head injury, play on. And Lucy Bronze kind of turned to her and was like, what are you doing? Like, she's injured, she's not faking it. And Rianne Skinner was like, I don't care, we're playing on, like, get over it. And then Zadorsky kicked it out, I think, because she felt guilty. 
But I just that I think that really summed up her kind of like we're not going to be pushed around by the big clubs. We don't care if you're Lucy Bronze. I don't care if you're like Lauren Hemp, like England starlet. We're playing on. We want to win. I just thought, I kind of thought, yeah, you go, Rian. Like, we stand a woman who mugs off Lucy Bronze on the touchline. <laughs> I just kind of, no, I just kind of thought, yeah, like that's kind of what you need. I think sometimes when people play Chelsea, they give you too much respect. And the same with Arsenal. I think, I think, yeah, I just kind of rate that. So I, I don't think that those two Spurs games will be easy for you. Saying that, you'll end up beating them 7-0 both games. But I don't know. I think they're the ones you want to be more worried about those than, than Manchester United. Yeah, although saying that, I don't take Birmingham lightly now either because I saw what happened there. It was just pretty, you know, it's, it's cliche to be like, oh, the WSL is so great. But it is true. There are like very few games now where you think, oh, I feel like United and Everton are the only... Two. I shouldn't say that I feel like United are a pushover because that will kick, that will be yeah. like my Raham Skinner yeah. comment. I'll be listening to that for the rest of my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, United look good at the moment. Alessia Russo, yeah. fucking hell. Wow. Yeah, very talented. To be fair, I mean, even Martha Thomas is, is, is finally having a, a low-key good couple of, couple of weeks. But anyway, there's not time to talk about United. Um... So you know what? First game back will be that semi-final against Arsenal. Um, where do you see this going, Jesse? Just a quick, quick couple of words on that. I really don't know. I I feel like Arsenal are just, it's just all a mystery to me. Um, I maintain that I think we should have won the game at Kings Meadow and we were unlucky not to do so. Although Arsenal did also have a number of good chances. So it does kind of feel like it could go either way. I... I'm really looking forward to it because it's just I've got no clue because I feel like both Arsenal and Chelsea just have weird syndromes this season where they can come out and be like one of the best teams in Europe and you're like oh I'd never want to play them or they can come out and be like one of the worst teams in Europe and you're like everyone will want to play them and I feel like it's gonna depend on so much on who turns up on the day I think it's really frustrating to have the game after an international break again. Like, it's just, you know, there's going to be weird stuff for both teams. So I think that's why it's so hard to predict. Um, I'm going with an Arsenal fan, so that's going to be irritating. So hopefully we will make her miserable. It is my sister's birthday. My sister is a Chelsea fan. So we're <laughs> going to back the, the Chelsea win to make her make her happy on her 21st birthday. Very nice flow. Yeah, I agree with all that. Like Arsenal are, are quite up and down. I think actually against Wolfsburg in those two ties, we actually were really good. So I think yeah, it just depends who turns up. I uh, we watch different games, Flo. Really? I don't know what. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were crap. Did you? Which one? I thought the the one at the Emirates. I was Both. I was at the Emirates. I thought we were really good. Oh. Also, hey, mm. hey, don't come for us. You guys got slapped by Wolfsburg 4 0. I know, I know, I know. But I thought we were rubbish then yeah, too. Fair, so. fair. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard. I think I I think you'll I think Chelsea will win. I don't want what impact do you think this title chasing is having, like psychologically on Arsenal? I think actually it's made Arsenal relax more because I think it's kind of weird how actually being on top kind of you feel like the pressure's on you. So I think it's kind of made them relax. We know what we need to do. We just need to win the games we've got left and, and hope for the best. So I think actually that's, I mean, obviously you, you want to be, you want to be on top really, but 
I think it's kind of made ramp that kind of pressure down a bit. But yeah, I mean, this FA Cup game, it's just kind of, it's also, yeah, as you said, awkward time. I think the first goal. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if, because it will be like Arsenal's last thing to play for, whether that will be. I could see like Arsenal winning and then Chelsea going on to win the league. And like both yeah. teams kind of accepting like that's the fair way to divvy everything up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take one, but, you take yeah. the other. Man City yeah, got the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. I wonder if that would be the first... I feel like it's very rare that a team doesn't do like a, at least a double. So yeah. that would be quite fun, I think, if each team took home a... Jesse, is that going to be your stat of the week next time, just so you find out whether that's been <laughs> yeah, done? Yeah, I'll double check whether when there was the last time that three different teams won the three different uh, competitions. Because obviously, of course, Chelsea won every domestic honour <laughs> available to them last season. <laughs> obviously. So very quickly, the last thing, standout performance from the game. Flo, who was it for you? I'm going with, with Gira Wright. And I know we spoke about Beth in England earlier, but I just think from the, the, that, the game that just happened against Reading and then the season... I just think she's been consistent and she just she just goes under the radar a bit. So I wanted to give her a shout out. Nice. Jesse. Yeah, again, I think it's kind of funny because we spoke so much about Beth England and I think she's been great, but I'm going to give it to Erin Cuthbert because I just thought in that game, she was nonstop. Like she was constantly working. Everything was about getting the ball back, recycling it forward. And some of her footwork was outrageous. And you know, she didn't, like, score. I know she got an assist, but it didn't feel like there was much focus on, on how much she, like, not only played well, but, like, also, like, balled out a little bit. So I wanted to give Erin Cuthbert creds. Yeah, I think same for me. I think for me, it's it's got to be Erin Cuthbert, just the way she's taken up this role and, and kind of the way she, she was playing this half-winger, half-midfield role. I think that just suits her perfectly. And I think if there is a position, especially in a three, then I think one of them has to go to Erin Car- Cuthbert now. And, and she just kind of brings this... Like we said, the ball carrying, the passing, the aggressiveness, the defensive assuredness. So she just brings this whole package that, again, I've been screaming for for a while. But, you know, here we are. Finally have it. But um, so this is what the games look like when we, when we come back from the break. So we got Arsenal versus Chelsea in the FA Cup semi uh, semifinal. Um, right, you know, FA Cup final in, on the 17th of April. Then we've got Spurs versus Chelsea on the 24th. And then we've got Chelsea versus Spurs on the 28th, four days later. Oh. And then, oh, yay. You know, it's not a typo. This is the same game twice. Um, Birmingham City uh, away from home on the 1st of May. And then we close the season with a casual game against Manchester United on the 8th of May at Kings Meadow. Um, the table looks like this right now. Chelsea, with having played 18 games, 14 wins on 44 points. Arsenal just one point behind on 43, same games played. United played 19, but on 38. Um, and Man City casually in fourth with 35 with the game in hand. I think that race for the top three between City and United is going to get tough to the last day. I think United might... This is what I st- don't want to happen. I want it to be done. Like, I want yeah. United... I'm so annoyed at United for, like basically fucking up their lead because we could have had a nice game where they'd already got Champions League football because yeah. City had been crap for so long and then we could just win the league. But yeah, if, if, if they're desperate for a win, they'll have to come out and like, as you said... Yeah, I know, and then it will it's, it's, kill them. Yeah, yeah, it's easier to play... It's harder to play against a deep block, actually, I think, as, as a Chelsea yeah. team, so... Definitely. 
Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I think I think if if City do lose game, which doesn't look likely right now, they seem to be in really good form. Um, just on the off chance they do, then United just has to win at least one game uh, in the build up, and then the, the last game of the season doesn't become very uh, tense. But yeah, it could just come down to the last game. It's either United get third in Champions League or Chelsea win the title. So. And from a neutral perspective, it's like cracking. Like the idea that you've got someone going for a Champions League spot against someone going, you know, because I know the title's gone down to the, you know, it went down to the final day last season, but I don't think anyone in their right mind thought Chelsea weren't going to beat Reading. But, you know, I feel pretty confident against United, but they're a quality team, so they are an unknown quantity. So, you know, interesting. I agree. And then... Spurs in fifth, Birmingham in sixth, West Ham in seventh, Reading in eighth, Villa in ninth, Everton in tenth. Somehow they're still tenth. Both their men and women's team are doing the same thing, but it's fine. Uh, Leicester City in eleventh. I mean, they're lucky that Birmingham are on five points. Otherwise, that's yeah. Uh, they that's are flailing t- out. They are flailing right now. They, they have a worse goal difference. <laughs> that's 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 the thing the last couple of weeks just been they had a great january and and a you know bit of february but then like march has just been it's been tough yeah you guys were mean to them that was that nine nil was just mean (laughs) i think we had it a lot to get out of our system we were like we've been we've had so many matches where we should have scored more goals we were like this is our moment like Let's just get it all in one shot. It happens once a season to a team, I think. Punish them. (laughs) We play. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a goal? You take a goal. You want a goal? You You take a goal. You get a goal. You get a goal. This is the Oprah Winfrey show, you know, the Anna Hayes show. Um, And in Birmingham, in dead last on five points. Um, I think that brings us to the end of it. Flo, you were amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Um, really, absolutely fantastic. Jesse, as always, uh, a pleasure. And Thank you. Uh, you know what? We will be back in we'll be back in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe next week, maybe in a couple of weeks. You will just have to stay tuned to find out. Um, but yeah, keep the blue flag flying high and we'll see you soon. Bye.